You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Yeah. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you gotta repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to thank you for making this part of your daily routine, whatever you're doing, in the car, running, riding, something, crying in your cereal after the Celtics lost 116-113 in overtime to the New Orleans Pelicans. Thanks for bringing us along with you. We're the Rainer Jays, John Corrales, Sam Jam. Packard stuck in the garage with all the trucks moving stuff around again at the garden. There's uh, like 18 bobcats near me, just all being as loud as possible. <laughs> uh, a tough one, tough one for the Celtics. They definitely had their chances. Uh, they withstood a, or, or I should say, they survived a horrible Kyrie Irving first first half, and then a mostly great second half. And then the fourth quarter, they kind of fell apart, uh, and over time, they fell apart. Uh, just down the stretch, uncharacteristically bad decisions from the Celtics. Too much ISO, too much individual play, which is the same as ISO, but I didn't know what else to say there. <laughs> and it just, bad decision-making, just bad decision-making. It's almost like they forgot how to play down the stretch. And, you know, they, they'll use buzzwords like, we've got to trust our stuff, we've got to trust uh, each other. Uh, and they, they just really didn't. They really didn't. And they, they made some bad decisions. And hell, even Brad Stevens made some decisions that are questionable, which is odd. But just a, a tough one to come back after the London game, a tough one to open up the second half of the season with. Yeah, the Celtics really did a, a, a number on my theory that they're a bunch of mental alphas who are able to control the game uh, whenever they want because – Normally, when the Celtics are up by five in the final two minutes, you just don't expect them to kind of choke away the game. And then even heading into overtime, you have this confidence in the Celtics that, well, of course, they're the, they're going to be the better team. They're going to make the better decisions. Um, but it just didn't it didn't work out like that. I thought it was very impressive the kind of the way they stormed back in the third quarter and just went on that three-point barrage. And that's kind of exactly what you expect the Celtics to do in the third, but you're right, the kind of the sloppiness late. Ever since uh, Daniel Tice, who I'm sure we'll get to later, uh, hit that three at the top of the key, they were up five, two minutes left. You really thought the game was in hand, but it was just mistake after mistake, not great looks. Um, Kyrie took some bad shots, smart, threw the ball away, uh, trying to get the ball to Horford. It was just, it just kind of turned into like weird, sloppy basketball. And at the same time, um, the Pelicans had uh, Anthony Davis, quite good, uh, that's my take. And also Drew Holiday just had a, a fantastic uh, fantastic close to this game. He's made a, a bunch of big shots, a bunch of big pull-ups, and I thought he did great on the defensive end. He gets, he's a very underrated defender, and I thought he did. He was major reasons why Kyrie struggled early, but I thought he came up with some big turnovers late, and um, there's the, the Pelicans are the ones who made plays, especially Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis uh, late. Anthony Davis is just... So damn good. Like, I can understand why everyone wants to trade for him because he's a quite a talented basketball player, and he almost went for 50. He is uh, very, very good. Uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsors tonight, two of them tonight. Draft. Draft is our favorite fantasy basketball site, Daily Fantasy, uh, unlike anything else with their snake drafts and easy-to-enter uh, easy games, very quick, very fun, and different settings that you can do to, to – change the, the difficulty and, and change the amount of money you can win. More on that. And also thanks to our friend, our good friend, listener, and real estate agents extra, extraordinaire, Jason Manganello, who donates 10% of his uh, 
his commission to charity uh, of of your choice, and we'll sell you send you to a Celtics game if he buys or sells a house with you. So more on that in a little bit as well, man. Can you imagine having a draft and selecting Anthony Davis tonight? Jesus, 45 points on 16 of 34 shooting, 13 of 15 free throws, 16 rebounds. Holy shit, what a night. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins also killed the Celtics on the boards, but uh, 19 of 15 for him, 27 for Kyrie Irving on 8 of 24 shooting. But, man, that was uh, that third quarter is where he did most of his damage, 16 points. Uh, of that came in the third quarter. So 11 in all other quarters. And I don't even know what he had in the first half, but I can tell you right now, uh, three. I think he only had three points. He was, three I think points. he was over four and he, had, uh, he got fouled on a three early, but other than that, yep. he was really not great. That was it. The craziest thing about Anthony Davis is I thought the Celtics actually did a, a pretty good job in the second half of containing him. Like, it sounds crazy. He only had 16 points in the second half. I'm not sure how many he scored in overtime because I haven't seen the, the overtime box score yet. But I thought he was he was just dominant in the first half, and there was really nothing they could do to stop him. I thought in the second half, um, when they finally went to uh, Daniel Tice as the savior, the guy who was really playing down the stretch, I thought he gave the Celtics very important minutes um, and forced other Pelicans to make shots. It just happens that... Drew Holiday also scored 16 points in the second half, and you guys had p- players like Ian Clark or Darius Miller hit the occasional three. I mean, the Celtics did go on this big, like I think it was like a 26 to r- run, where this, the Pelicans were missing a bunch of threes. But I thought the Celtics did a pretty good job of kind of forcing someone other than Anthony Davis uh, to beat them. And it just so happens, like you can't really do that. Anthony Davis is still going to go off. Anthony Davis can pretty much get any shot he wants at any point. But uh, I thought that was key to the Celtics' comeback. It's just that sloppy play late. They really should have had this game. After having like a sh- terrible first half where they shoot 35%, they really worked their way back into the game and then just sloppiness late. It's just turnovers, Kyrie Irving missing, missing some shots, which, you know what, I go back to you just got to kind of let Kyrie chuck because that's what Kyrie's going to do. But um, Marcus Smart, actually, there's some of the threes that they took, I just don't. I didn't have a huge problem with because they're open and that's kind of the way the Celtics got themselves back into the game. I mean, I know Tito struggled from deep tonight. Marcus um, miss had a bad miss late. Kyrie took some somewhat contested shots, but it's kind of, that's how they crawl their way back in the game. So I didn't have too many problems with it. It's just the ones that I thought were the worst were the Kyrie attempts. And you know what? Kyrie is a great shooter and has won game sevens in the NBA finals with like step back, threes like that so it's it's disappointing you just hope their execution would be better late I would have liked to see the the ball uh, in Al Horford's hands more I thought he had a pretty good um pretty good game in general and he was four or five uh from three late I mean but even with that all being said like the Celtics still had a chance Marcus Morris's uh game tying three attempt rolled around the rim they could have been in this game it's just this is one of the times where it just didn't go their way yeah I just don't like I don't mind threes in the situations in, in which they were taken. I didn't like those particular threes that were taken. The smart shot was, I mean, if he had, it's one of those, if he had made it, we'd be like, wow, I can't believe he hit that shot. But I don't. But he made one of those in the corner, like earlier in the game. So it's, you're just kind of like used to, but, I don't know. I, I understand you don't. Uh, such a high percentage or such a low percentage shooter shooting it, but it's like, that's Marcus. He's going to shoot those threes with confidence. And you kind of just, I guess you live with them. I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm just too much of an optimist. I, <laughs> you are quite optimistic. It's, it's, you know, one of your most endearing qualities, but smart. Uh, geez. I forget the exact time on the clock when he took that three. Um, he had, Okay, so here's here's what the situation was. Smart had hit this pull-up jumper with a couple minutes left in overtime. And then Cousins answered. Because he's ginormous. Because he's huge, right. And then... I'm just looking at my notes, and it says, Boogie, still large. <laughs> I'm like, yep. <laughs> um, and then Smart took a shot. According to the play-by-play, took a shot 16 seconds later. 
So he was coming off a screen. There's like pick and roll set for him at the top of the right key, and the the Pelicans went under. I mean, the shot was open. Just the question is, is like, do you want the ball in Marcus Smart's hands at that point? And ideally, um, you know, you would think it would be a Kyrie Irving, Al Horford pick and roll, but literally just one possession before he had uh, he retaken the lead or uh, kind of done. Marcus Smart type things, and so then he took an open three. So I, I can't really blame that. Like you, because we have so much history with Marcus Smart, you like you get frustrated by that shot. But at the time, I was like, "Yep, that's open. That's he's going to take it." It just I, I don't know. I I I got to go back and watch it again. It felt like at that time, and I remember hearing the guys saying it because I was I was watching the NBA, T, NBA TV players only feed, and as he pulled up. The guys were saying like, "Ugh, I don't know." Like, nobody felt good about that shot. It it just felt like in that situation, they were up three with two minutes left, or uh, no, they were up one. They were sorry. one at that point. They're up one with a minute and a half left, and to take that particular shot in that situation, I felt like there were still a couple more passes that could have been made to get a a better look, and and I. Forget the fact that Smart took that shot. How about the fact that the Celtics took a bunch of shots like that? Marcus Morris took one like that. Uh, Kyrie Irving, who again is Kyrie and, and spent the entire third quarter making shots. So hard to be completely critical. But again, it's not necessarily that shot. It was how the offense was run and the time in which that shot was taken. And if the ball had worked around a little bit more, and that's the shot that they got in a catch-and-shoot rhythm, fine, I get it. I just didn't feel like many of these shots were in rhythm. They felt like they were kind of, oh, I'm going to try to close this game out. It was the, the classic Brad line. They were going for home runs to put the game away when they needed to hit singles. And I, I just don't feel like they were going for that. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to stop talking now. And as you're talking, I'm going to go see if on Twitter, any of those, if he made that same comparison. I think, I mean, it's likely that he did. I just think it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's bad. I don't think we should focus on individual plays down the stretch because I think the Celtics played generally, um, not great. I mean, the the after the Marcus misses that three, Drew Holiday takes a pull up and takes the lead. After that, Jalen Brown has like what looks it looks like they called a play specifically for him to drive, and he drove, jumped, and then literally just like threw it as hard as he could into I think it was Boogie's chest. Like there were sloppy mistakes with the offense um, throughout the game. I mean, especially first half and then down the stretch. I just think it's the Celtics' offense is so. Um, predicated on spacing and make like getting the ball into the paint side to side. And it's just really hard when you have two behemoths uh, basically in the lane. I thought that that's one of the reasons why Daniel Tice had such a big impact is because he was this big body who could kind of hold up AD as much as you could on the defensive end, but then actually could stretch the floor a little bit. I mean, we only saw him take one three, but he definitely stretches the floor way more than Aaron Baines. I think this Pelicans team is just a pretty shitty matchup for the Celtics because they're when they're on their best defensively, they have Aaron Baines in their game. Um, and when they're the best offensively, they're playing a five-out strategy. And it's just really hard to play five-out uh, against someone like um, Boogie and AD. So I just it kind of makes sense to me that their offense got bogged down um, late. It's the moments where you would hope that the, the superstar would take over and you, you would imagine that Kyrie uh, will kind of just wheel you to victory in the fourth quarter. That clearly didn't didn't happen tonight, and he was had a, a bad game early, but it was managed to come back. But I don't know. It just wasn't in, in the cards, and I think you just have to give credit to – it's really hard to score against uh, Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis. But looking back through my notes, it's just like a – Especially at the end of the game, it's Kyrie bad shot, Smart throws the ball away. It was just kind of sloppy basketball. Yep. Uh, and so I, it's hard to identify one specific play because it was a series of bad plays and a series of bad decisions, which is not something 
you expect to see from the Celtics. I literally spent the entire podcast yesterday talking about how their mental alphas. <laughs> I spent the entire since halftime talking about how their mental alphas are going to come back, and I spent the entire comeback talking about how they're mental alphas, and then they just crapped all over my vision uh, by not being mental alphas, by making a bunch of mistakes. So, you know what? This team, Prad's going to use this. They still have a lot of work to do. Uh, it's kind of bizarre because they had no business winning this game, then they definitely should have won this game, and then they lost this game. Right. The Celtics have spent a long stretch of this season playing in games that they should not have won. It feels like they have played in a lot of games and they have a lot of wins in games that they had no business winning. It feels like, I mean, obviously when you win, you have business winning that game, but they're in a lot of games that they have no business really being in after like some shitty first halves, especially some shitty second quarters. So to finally get down and try to come back and get burned and have it not work, I would not be surprised. Like For Brad Stevens, I wouldn't be surprised if there's part of him that goes, good, good. Now I get to go to these guys and say, okay, you you screwed around. You did a lot of the same things that got you in trouble before, and now here we are thinking we could turn it on, and you tried, and it didn't work. So now we're going to do it my way. And I'm obviously exaggerating because – these guys will always say they do it Brad's way. But it's hard to, and I think I brought this up in a show, or maybe I wrote it on Red's Army, but it's it's hard to tell a team. No, I wrote it last Sunday on Red's Army. When they get into any sort of bad habit, but they're winning, it's hard to say, that's a bad habit, you shouldn't do that. Because they can just turn around and be like, yeah, but we're winning. So it doesn't matter. And there's not much leverage. So a, a loss like this can be the thing that gets you know gets the coaching staff and Brad Stevens be like okay so they don't have the leverage anymore this is what happens when a team with some really good players cuz Anthony Davis obviously really good Boogie Cousins obviously really good Drew Holiday can be very good max contract guy so they they have they all have the ability to varying degrees to burn you and they burned them so uh, I'm sure there's a part of Brad Stevens that is relishing the opportunity to teach this lesson. Now, I know plenty about mistakes, and when it comes to basketball, especially daily fantasy basketball, because I'm like, oh, for my last 15 games on draft, but that just means you've got an opportunity to take my money. Uh, I don't know what kind of record you're, you've got going lately, Sam, but... Uh, I'm still, I'm still, in a- I'm still losing. Believe yeah. me, I, I had one win and it was fun and now I'm back to losing, but I'm still drafting every day cause it's a hell of a good time. I actually got, got crazy and did a $10 draft today and, uh, I'm currently in fifth place with <laughs> you are, you do. I post, I pretty much stay exclusively to draft Wednesdays with the occasional one in between. Sam is every Day. So you know how you know how it goes. We've talked about it a long t- a lot on on this show. We actually love it. I love doing it. I'm a little more exclusive. Sam is a little more wanton with his money, but I'll let it. I'll play with anyone. Yeah, they just have to show me a little bit of attention. I'll play with them. <laughs> so here's what you do: go to draft.com or download the draft app wherever you get your apps, your app store. Download it. Sign up. Insert the promo code LO Celtics. When you make your first deposit and what's going to happen, you'll get free entry with that promo code into your first game with us. Okay, So you sign up, draft.com, draft app, insert the promo code LOCELTICS, make your deposit and you get a free real money game with us. And then you just follow us on Twitter. You know where to get us at Sam at Jam Packard at Reds Army underscore John. We're tweeting like crazy with these things. If you follow us on the app, I'm at JJ Corrales and Sam is at Rain and Jam. Follow us on the app, and you'll as soon as we post, you'll get an indication that Sam has posted a draft. Click to join now, and you can just get in on it whenever you want. You cannot play for two weeks. You can play ten times a day. Totally up to you. That first one is free. It's on us with the promo code L O Celtics. But and you can just win money, man. We have one listener just 
enter a tournament and tweet us the other day. It won nine hundred dollars. It's ridiculous. So we're basically we're basically like a a think tank, not a think tank, but an incubation tank for like startup businesses. Like we'll give you your seed money and you can just soar. If and if for some reason, if for some reason you don't like it, if something goes wrong, there's a money back guarantee. Locked on Celtics listeners, you get a money back guarantee of up to one hundred dollars. So you can go ahead and give it a shot. If you don't like it, you can you can give give them a call or go through their customer service on the app or on draft.com and that's it. It's it's guaranteed. So search draft in your app store, go to draft.com, come play free right now on our draft Wednesday with the promo code L O Celtics. So, all right, let's uh there, there are some questions here, and, uh, I, and one of the things that I got was Tice versus Aaron Baines. Uh, they started out with Aaron Baines, who's big, and you expect him to just you put the big guy, Aaron, on big DeMarcus Cousins, but Cousins is so quick, and, and Baines, on the defensive end, Cousins is so quick, it's hard to, if he wants to, to face up, Baines has... Good lateral lateral quickness, but not boogie lateral lateral quickness. So you can take him off the dribble. So they put Tice in. Tice did a decent job. And on offense, Baines just doesn't stretch the floor. And to have uh, Cousins and Davis in there in the middle, they just needed Tice to get out there and try to stretch the floor a little bit without giving up too much on defense. So uh, I don't really question how Baines was used tonight. Do you? No, I think it's it's actually something I asked Brad Stevens about before the game, and he gave me a perfect non-coach answer just about how the Pelicans are really good. But it, I imagine the Celtics were going to have struggle scoring the ball tonight just because they like to go small. Think about all the times they finish games with um, Jason Tatum at the four and Marcus Smart in the game. The, basically, the Celtics, their clutch offense, when they score points at the most efficiently most efficiently, they're playing five out. They're playing five people around the three-point line. The floor is spread as po- as much as possible. And just with these two giant dudes, it's really hard to play that small because you throw in Aaron Baines in there and your offense kind of gets like taken up. And then you try to go small, you put in Jason Tatum in there. He can kind of get eaten alive um, by Anthony Davis. Semi had a chance in there. I mean, Tice really was the most effective um, kind of second big in there, so I thought the I thought the move made sense. It just um, it didn't work out because Anthony Davis is amazing, and I don't know. I uh, I had so after our All Star game um, draft, I had someone tweet at me that I uh, it's absurd that I took Boogie over Anthony Davis, and uh, I'm gonna have to agree because Anthony Davis was absolutely <laughs> the best player on the court, and there were some moments tonight where Boogie was just like. Didn't get back on defense. Didn't even really try. There's something weird traveling. His effort is just kind of confusing. Um, and so he's like super talented, and he still put up a crazy stat line because he's huge. But his it's just you you can see why there's all this trepidation with um, Demarcus Cousins because he just it, you didn't see him bring it for what 53 minutes tonight or however long he actually ended up playing, but. He's still quite good, and you still have the game plan around him. And I thought the Celtics, Tice was the answer. It just, it didn't go their way. I mean, I, the crazy thing is, if like you talk about like three bounces or two bounces, and this game could be the other way. I thought Kyrie had like a really great look at the other end, high off the glass, that just didn't go in. Ended up with Marcus Smart, kind of, of course, being involved in the offensive rebound, ending up with the jump ball, but they didn't win that. There's like a, a few bounces that uh, it could have gone, but you're right. I just. Baines, we've never really seen play more than like 20 minutes a game, so I just it didn't make sense for him to be in this game either. No, you're right. There there were opportunities for a, a couple of things to go a different way. Again, back to what I was saying before. Some of the shots that I'm I'm sitting there saying I didn't like them. If they had gone in and the Celtics won, the tone of this entire show would obviously be different, and we'd be sitting there saying, "Eh, you know, they- they're mental alphas." I'd be going on and on. I just really like the phrase "mental alpha," and they just took that from me. Yeah, that's all right. You can tuck it away. That that's fine. Uh, they they it it goes back to the Doc Rivers make miss league. If they had if they had hit a couple of these shots, we wouldn't be talking about some of the things that we're talking about. One other thing is Jason Tatum. 
it, I felt like it was a little weird the the way he was used down the stretch. Uh, in that he wasn't for a long time. Yeah, it was. He barely played in the fourth quarter. Um, and I think it kind of fits in with what we're saying is that he was the he's the main kind of small ball four that the Celtics go to. And I think at this point, Brad Stevens has a lot more faith in playing Marcus Smart down the stretch and going with the kind of Kyrie, Marcus, and Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown, uh, who we really haven't mentioned, I, I, he had a pretty, he had a damn good game, and he flexed so hard on Boogie Cousins after that dunk, which was uh, amazing. Or it wasn't even a dunk; it was just a and one. But I think Stevens at this point has faith in those guys, those three players specifically on the defensive end that. Uh, if you're going to have Al Horford in there, you just there's no space for Jason Tatum, and I think it's just entirely based on this matchup. Uh, there's no other team in the league that kind of presents the problems that the Pelicans do, and so you're right. It was it was weird not to see him. Um, there's actually a couple times where he checked or went to the table to check in and then went back, um, but I just don't think it's like the the best matchup for the Celtics specifically because they can't just use the the Tatum advantage they have because he's not. He's not like ready to guard someone that big at this point. No, yeah, that's it's just it was interesting, and yeah, he, there there's this is the opportunity here to say you need to put a little bit of muscle on there, kid, because he's just not strong enough in, in some of these situations. You, if they switched him, if you put him in the four, at the four, and you switched him onto Cousins or Davis, whew, yeah, that would have been that would have been rough. Um, Couple of the Rain and Jays hashtags on Twitter. Uh, Sam Samarinas at Thug Jitsu Soup. Nice. A, that's a good one. Uh, referencing the Jalen Brown with that flex three X's. Uh, Robert Denton. I need a gif of a pelican swallowing a fish with Baines's face on the fish. Just, I don't understand that one, but I agree. I think I think it's because Baines had some some troubles early on. Uh, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, at Rifey, can we uh, send Yabu and Semi through the back hallway to abduct Davis at halftime? In reference to the crazy uh, Houston Rockets Clippers thing. Yeah, I mean, so I'm all. I think we should remake Celtics Pride at some point and uh, modern day. But yeah, I don't know about uh, during the game, but we can figure it out. I'm sure we can figure it out. And then the final Rain and Jays hashtag from at M Burns thirty seven is that as bad a loss as the, as the Celtics have had all year. Feels like theirs to lose after the Tice three, and instead they tried some hero ball, uh, which goes along with what we were saying. But it's certainly not the worst loss of the year because. Um, they lost they to the Bulls. Yeah, yeah, they got blown out they by the Bulls. Crushed by the Bulls. I mean, they had they had other losses that were e- equally. Uh, they just didn't show up. At least they yeah. showed up here and made it a game. The uh, loss in no. New York was horrible. That was that was gross. Um, that loss the where they fell apart against the Wizards was they, they also had, not good. Where Kelly or where how about when they lost to the Miami Heat and Kelly Olynyk just yeah, uh, Kelly Olynyk destroying so. I still wouldn't put this. It's not the best loss. Is there? I mean, not not a lot of good losses out there. But when you're the best team in the Eastern Conference, there are no good losses, right? And and so okay, so they lost. They lost this game. It's it, not ideal, but there are things to take away. And the Celtics, I'm sure, will take the opportunity to learn whatever lessons there are to learn. One lesson that I've learned is that if I'm ever going to buy a house. Or sell a house again in my life because I've done it once. And let me tell you something: I do not want to do it again. Except after hearing Jason Manganiello's story, he's got fifteen plus years experience doing this thing. And hearing this whole pitch when he was talking about these are the things that I do, we're coming up with this way to tell you what he does. I'm like. I almost just want to buy a house simply to work with this guy. Yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking to move. I just want to <laughs> I just want to be in business with him. Yeah. So, Jason's been doing this for a while as I just said. They've been uh part of the residential group, top-selling group in all of Massachusetts at William Ravis since 2009. So, they know what they're doing. Jason knows what he's doing, like I said, 
but he knows that you may not, which is okay. You may not know what you're doing when it comes to buying a house. You think it's easy. It's certainly not. And he will treat you with the, the proper respect and, and walk you through everything knowing that this is probably your first time going through this. This is a responsibility that he does not take lightly. So it doesn't matter what your price range is. Starter house, second house, third house, even athletes. They have a uh, division. If any of the Celtics are listening, by the way, uh, they've got a former athlete that works with the group that can kind of uh, work. There's a special, they have a special program for that. That's just as an aside. But, <laughs> just in case any of the Celtics are listening just to this Just in right case, now. you know, may, hey, maybe Al Horford's tuning in. He's like, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, I heard Jason Tatum. Eh, you want to buy a house? Here's the guy to go to. <laughs> but for any of you that want to buy a house, uh, the, the coolest thing about Jason is that he reinvests in the communities. It's a, it's a core belief of his, and he, he does this with every house that he sells. 10% of this commission goes to a local nonprofit designated by the client. So if you, you, whatever nonprofit in your new neighborhood you want to donate to, tell them 10% of his commission will go to that. So even if you're just thinking about it, even if you're not sure, reach out. He'll send you the literature, the first time home buyer's guide, so you can make a decision on your own. There's no pressure. For Locked On Celtics listeners, if you buy or sell a home with Jason, he will send you to a Celtics game. He's buying. If you are a Locked On Celtics listener but you know somebody that wants to buy a house or sell a house, tell that person about Jason. If they end up working with Jason and he goes through and sells or buys a house, he will send you to a game as well just for the referral. And if you're thinking about selling, he'll do a free market analysis for your current or future home. Any listener that does this also entered to win Celtics tickets as a bonus. So, so many reasons to work. With Jason Manganello, all you got to do is call him 617-877-5694, 617-877-5694, or email him if you don't want to talk, lockedonjason at gmail.com. He's an honorary Raymond J. He's got the J. So lockedonjason at gmail.com. He will work with you. Again, 10% of his commission goes to a, a local charity, which is huge. Okay. Um, do we want to get the junk drawer in now or, or yeah, let, let's do that now and we'll discuss some of the other stuff when it comes to, we got, we got other things to discuss. So, all right, let's do the we junk got, drawer um, now. We got, a, I got a short junk drawer today. I was locked in on the actual game, locked on the actual game, <laughs> but first half, uh, Tito threw a pass off the backboard to himself for a layup, and it just – it was wild. It was completely unconventional. I don't know if he was actually trying to do it, but it worked out, and that's just kind of that Tito magic that I, uh, I've, I've grown accustomed to, and I love it. Yeah, um, I, I, thought, I, I thought that was intentional. Oh, it had to be. I, like, initially, I thought he was maybe trying to throw, like, an alley-oop to Kyrie Irving, but it just – it really slammed off the backboard pretty hard, so I think it was intentional. Another fun play from the first half is uh, at some point, Mook Morris got the rebound in the corner, and like Marcus Smart was right there to take the ball up, and Mook said, no, I'm, I'm taking this up myself. And he just basically dribbled the entire way, backed someone down. He had the ball for the entire possession, and it was hilarious. He drew a foul. He made the free throws, but I just was like, that's, that's ISO Mook. He's going to cook. Um, speaking of cooking... Jason Tatum really owned Drew Holiday for about two possessions. That dribble move uh, he had to knock down the jumper and then to follow that with a block on the other end was just downright entertaining. He he has moments every single game. Today he was, what, only 10-5, and five, but he still has, like, a crazy moment like that that makes you go, wow, this kid is special. Yeah, well, and he especially owed them a little bit because he got dropped himself, so... I thought he slipped on the floor when I first saw it, but it looked like he might have just got crossed up, but we don't remember those things. Um, just a reminder out there that Rajon Rondo didn't have a huge impact tonight, but he's still a wizard. I just remember like one, he had like a one-handed curve pass to a guy who hit him right in stride at a three-pointer. The guy missed the three-pointer, but it was just like, oh man, yeah, that, that Rondo guy, pretty good at basketball. Yes, he is. Um, uh, interesting, by the way, that they kind of went away from him down the stretch, though. 
Yeah, no, they needed Drew Holiday and uh, Rondo. I just don't think would be the best defensive option. But you, that's that's it's key. Our, I don't know if it was key. It was interesting. That, you had the right word. Um, Marcus Smart had an amazing Marcus Smart possession where he had a crazy steal uh, followed by a, just a dumb behind the back pass that was instantly stolen or knocked away, followed by an amazing save, which he immediately just passed right back to the Pelicans. And it was just like amazing, stupid, amazing, stupid, and just the most Marcus Smart way possible. It was fantastic. Um, I don't know if people noticed this, but at the end of the first half, Rondo and Baines got kind of like involved in a scrap. And I love how crazy Rondo is to think that he like to even like hold his arm near Baines for an extended period of time because that just would not end end well for him. But that's just like two very chippy guys going at it. And it was I don't even know why they were engaged on the play, but they just like took probably two minutes to disentangle after the half ended. And it just it made no sense to me. Okay. Um, Sorry. <laughs> see, I'm I'm low on junk today because there's we got a special edition. Um, I learned we learned on the uh, podcast with Anna Horford that Al Horford was a big SpongeBob fan, so uh, I decided to ask Al about it uh, before the game. So I guess we'll we'll run that audio right here. Her sister actually on my my podcast tried to promote her show, and she let uh, she let know that you're a huge SpongeBob SquarePants fan. I was just curious what your favorite episode was. I don't know if I'm a huge fan, but you said I said you and your I, brothers and sisters talk uh, about SpongeBob. But uh, but them growing up, uh, they used to watch it a lot, and I and I watched some with them. My favorite episode. Um, man, uh, there's a lot of good ones. I like some of the older ones. Uh, I haven't seen SpongeBob in years, obviously, but some of the older ones. I think um, the. Uh, uh, the episode when uh, they throw a peanut at a at a giant seashell, and um, and, and Patrick uh, is, is playing detective, trying to figure out who threw the peanut yeah. and everything. So that, that's got to be one of my favorite ones. All right, appreciate it. <laughs> okay, I have no idea what what episode he was talking about. No, neither did I. He kind of, uh, it was not as exciting. I wanted like a smile to come over to his face and him just be like, oh, let me break down episode by episode. But I went, I looked it up. SpongeBob throws a peanut at a clam to try and make it get awake. And then they have the big investigation over to who threw the peanut at the clam. And Patrick becomes the main investigator. And I'm sure hijinks ensue. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember it specifically. But you know what? For Al Horford, I'm going to go. Go back and watch it. And I'm just glad he was he actually did lighten up a little bit as uh, as he was remembering it. And it was it was just funny to see uh, a grown ass man with children talking about his favorite SpongeBob episode. So I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, as well. The episode is called uh, The Smoking Peanut, <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> I feel like I was I feel like uh, when Anna said SpongeBob, like she said it so fast, like when you said uh, what, how do I get Al to open up? She said immediately SpongeBob quotes and we're like, Oh geez. Wow. That's like instant. Like it, it felt like he was going to be just over the moon with, when he heard SpongeBob. And I think my expectation after hearing the Robin Lopez with the Simpsons stuff. Yeah. You expect I, someone to immediately light up. I thought we we're going to get a similar reaction. It's my fault for having that expectation because I know Al Horford. I he's know too calm, he's too calm right. and collected. He's not going to go fangirl over some SpongeBob. I also Shane Larkin and Jason Tatum were sitting right next to him. I don't think he wanted to be, I think he still wanted to look cool in front of the youngins. Yeah. It, it, it made sense. It makes sense that he, he might not have reacted, uh, the way I thought he might have reacted, but oh well, still cool, still cool, and you could tell he did perk up a little bit. As uh, maybe that's just the best we're ever going to get out of Al Horford. And this brings us to the rain and junk hashtag, which leads us nicely into at Ben Thomas H three four. If the Celtics were SpongeBob characters, who would they be? <sighs> uh, this is a difficult one because most of the SpongeBob characters are like Patrick is dumb. Yeah. Mr. Krabs is greedy. Squidward's kind of an asshole. Uh, Plankton's evil. Like, there's not a lot of like, a good comparison. Yeah, I can't think of 
I can't think. Although, okay, I will say it, there, there's no there's no direct comparison. There's but, one very good one, which uh, the guy Ben Thomas actually pointed out to me when I tried to answer this question initially. Um, and it's Patrick is Gershon Yabusele, the dancing bear, because just because they have the same body type. Oh, interesting. I was going to say Patrick is Kyrie Irving because they have He's a savant. <laughs> they have like this very similar kind of like simplicity to them. Although Patrick's is kind of dumb and Kyrie's isn't, but there's a, a kind of like a simplistic. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't want to say that Kyrie is simple. I want to say that Kyrie tries to break things down mentally to a point where he's unencumbered by a lot of extraneous thought. And Patrick is simply because he's Patrick unencumbered by extraneous thought. So uh, I think Kyrie Irving could live under a rock underneath on the ocean floor. So I, I'll give you that one. The only other thing I could think of was that Brad Stevens is Squidward because he's very rule oriented, but he's been really coming hard with the dad jokes recently. So he's way more humor. He has so much more humor than, uh, Squidward does. I just don't think it's a comparison. It's literally an underwater world about a sponge. So I don't know the the one to one comparisons to the Boston Celtics basketball team just don't work out it's, as much yeah, as they do with like a, very a real television show. I can't think of you know I can't think of anybody on this team that compares directly to uh, another character. Like who would I mean Squidward is a pretentious asshole, and there's no <laughs> pretentious asshole on here. Um, sometimes the rain and junk, uh, there is no answers and that's, no, yeah, there's and, beauty in that. Yeah. I can't, I'm sorry. Sorry, Ben. I can't come up with anything else. Uh, let's see. Uh, at Mikey Sandmel, I realize a, I'm late on this and B, I'm not caught up on the pod. What? What? How are you asking questions if you're not caught up on the podcast? Have y'all discussed how funny it is that the two teams, the NBA sent, as ambassadors to England, represent the war for independence and Irish. I'm no. assuming he's saying the Celtics represent the war for Irish independence and the 76ers represent the war for American independence. Yeah. Um, and we have not discussed that. No. It's a fun coincidence, but I think, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's a, that's a real wacky, uh, junk question. I'm, I'm loving it. I love that. That's, that's the kind of questions we get, but I have, Literally zero response to that. <laughs> but I guess to answer the question, the direct answer to the question is, no, we have not discussed it. Moving on. We did now. We just did. We just did. All right. So that's the junk drawer. That's the hashtag. A couple of other notes uh, that we should discuss at least a little bit and maybe discuss it because we're going to need something to talk about in the next podcast. But since they're out now, let's just kind of quickly discuss. Gordon Hayward was out there shooting around, and Brad Stevens uh, said, Light stuff, nothing big, still a long way to go. Still on board with me and the Hayward Truther, second round of the playoffs? Yeah, he's coming back on March 23rd, 323, because that's what Kyrie uh, put on his Instagram, and it's the all-seeing eye, and it's everywhere. So I'm I'm on board. Yep, I believe that too. Uh, Isaiah Thomas came out, squashed it, it's over. No Isaiah Thomas video on Paul Pierce night. It's done. That's just because he got bullied by Tony Allen and Rajon Rondo. But uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm, I was very sick of that storyline, so I'm good for it. Good yep. with that. Uh, and here's the quote from Paul Pierce uh, early Tuesday. On This is on ESPN. This is from Chris Forsberg. Quote, Danny and I talked about it for 40 minutes. He told me, this is what we have planned. And at the end of the conversation, he said, if you don't want us to do Isaiah, we won't. So I told him, I really don't. So that was it. And that's how we left it. And that's done. And then Isaiah and Paul Thomas, Pierce is in charge. So yeah. that's how that's going to go. Isaiah Thomas, if you want to go to his Twitter, at Isaiah Thomas, tweet it out. Want to thank the Celtics, blah, 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 blah. But since it appears this has caused some controversy, uh, I'd ask the Celtics to instead focus all their attention on 34's career. So that appears to be done. I'm glad that that's done. All right. We're going to end on this horribly sad note. Uh, Celtics legend Jojo White, it was announced today, lost his battle with cancer at the age of 71. And uh, I, unfortunately, uh, I know I talk about how old I am, but I, I still, Jojo was before my time. So I never got a chance to see him play 
live in person, but he is an absolute legend. He played what, like most of a triple overtime game against the Phoenix Suns, that famous triple overtime game against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, he has uh, been part of a couple Celtics championships. His number 10 is retired in in the Garden. His number 15 is retired at the University of Kansas, where he was a legend. He has uh, an Olympic gold medal. Uh, just absolute absolute legend and everybody will tell you as great as he was at basketball, he was a nicer guy. And my only single interaction with Jojo white, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw me tweet it out, but I'll say it again here for those who don't or didn't see it. I was on a date with my current ex-wife, but at that point it was our first like real date and it was at Fire and Ice. I don't even know if it's still there at, in Harvard Square. Uh, I don't even know if it exists anymore. It's still there. Yeah. Okay. So we were, we were there, uh, walked in, and as soon as we walked in, there, I, there was, it was packed. There was a wait. And I just looked directly ahead, and I just see this guy in a full-length fur coat just, just all pimped out, just smooth as shit. And I said, holy shit, that's Jojo White. And I, at this point, my ex, she, you know, she's like just getting to know the breadth of my Celtics mania. And <laughs> she indulged you in your mania. And she was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. This guy's one of the best Celtics ever. He's just blah, 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 blah. And I, I'm on a first date here. I'm on a first date trying, you know, you try to impress, you know, whatever. And I just left her. I said, I'll be right back. I got to go talk to him. And I left. I, I, didn't, I didn't even wait to, for an acknowledgement. I just walked off and spent five minutes talking to him. I, I played in college at Emerson. One of my coaches was uh, a player in the 70s named Bruce Seals, who actually played for Bill Russell for the Seattle Sonics. And so I, anytime I talked to a player from that era, I kind of dropped Bruce's name to uh, kind of break the ice. So I get an instant connection with these guys and he warmed up to me right away and we talked a little bit and he shared a story and it was so cool. I, I totally pulled him away from what he was doing, but he was completely in the moment. Uh, so happy to talk to me about whatever it was I was talking to him about and just, he couldn't have been nicer for the five minutes that we spoke and um, I only left because I felt like I was abandoning somebody and totally pulling JoJo away from what he was doing. So, but it was just a, a very a great random interaction. And it's sad that uh, that the Celtics family has lost one of their legends. So, um, yeah, the only thing I I mean I have less experience as well, but there's just kind of a, a sadness that came over uh, everyone in the Celtics organization when the it was like announced. I think like 30 minutes before the game. Um, and you just hear some quotes about people. I've just seen them and just talking about how uh, great of a guy he was uh, and just a nice guy who had time for everyone and was just nice to everyone, happy to see them. Um, and actually, it was, just, it was interesting. Um, Cedric Maxwell, who's normally I'd, I sit right behind during the games and have him do play-by-play, he actually left after the, the first quarter. He was... Um, quite emotional about the the loss so clearly jojo white um meant a lot to just as a person like just well not even talking about his game as a basketball player not even being a hall of famer not even being finals mvp just as a guy um was cared about by a lot of different people um i'm seeing rajon rondo say just similar things right now and kind of coming across twitter and so it's a, it's a loss for the organization it's just a, a sad moment but um it's um hoping that the Celtics will do something. I imagine they will to kind of honor him uh, before the next game on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. Just so you see the the greatness of JoJo White. Two world titles, like I said, in the mid-70s. Career playoff scoring average, 21.5 points a game. Career average uh, with the Celtics, 18, over 18 points a game. Uh, 60 minutes in that game five triple OT this was during the finals. This was a triple OT game during the finals. Played 60 minutes. Amazing. And it was the finals MVP that year. 
He has a streak of 488 consecutive games played. That is still a franchise record. Seven-time All-Star. Just amazing, amazing, amazing career. So um, as sad as we are to lose a guy, I mean, let's celebrate just how awesome, how awesome that resume is. Just an amazing, amazing thing. And then he was uh, part of the Celtics front office for the past 18 years at help, helping uh, arrange community events. So just, man, what a legend. What a legend. Uh, so, JoJo, we all love you, and we're going to miss you. And uh, that's it. We're going to thank everybody for listening to the show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Long show after uh, a tough loss, but that's all right. We said that the Celtics are going to experience these tough losses this year, uh, the, the the second half of this year, and here's one of them, and they're going to learn a lesson. So, and hopefully they do that before they take the floor again. I want to thank our sponsors for tonight's program, uh, Draft.com. Of course, go to the uh, download the Draft app. Go to Draft.com, sign up, create your username, follow me, JJ Corrales, follow Sam at. Rain and Jam, and use the promo code LOCELTICS, and you'll get free entry with your first deposit into a real money game. And then, with all of the money that you're going to take from us, you can go buy a house from Jason Manganello. Go reach him at uh, LockedOnJason at uh, gmail.com, LockedOnJason at gmail.com, or call him 617-877-5694, 617-877-5694. If he buys... If you buy a house or if he sells your house, you'll go to a Celtics game. If you refer somebody who buys or sells a house with Jason, uh, you get to go to a Celtics game. And the best part is he donates 10% of his commission to a local nonprofit designated by you, the client. So contact Jason today. Of course, before we wrap it up, please subscribe if you're not a subscriber. If you have subscribed, please write us five stars. Share the podcast. Give us a good review. Let everybody know. They should be listening to us, the Locked On Celtics podcast, here on the Locked On Podcast Network.